Welcome to the Friday Fraudster Podcast with Kelly Paxton, pink-collar crime expert, Joe Irvin, your person for all things ethics, and Robert Barry, the guy who helps you ask better questions. Join them as they discuss sad, funny, and sometimes disturbing fraud stories. Be sure to catch past episodes on your favorite podcasting platform or go to www.fridayfraudster.com and grab some CPE while you're there. Ooh. Hey, Kelly. Hey. Another Friday, another fraud, hey? Oh, yeah. Big fraud. Big, big fraud. Big and unbelievable, too. So, Kelly, I was trying to exercise the other day, you know, trying. Notice the operative word, trying. And I got this stitch, like, right here on my shoulder. You know, it kind of hurt when I went up like that. So I was trying to figure out what to do. So what do you do when you need health advice and you're a stubborn man like me and you don't want to go to the doctor? Well, I guess you're not a stubborn man. So I guess that X is that part out. But but you use chat GPT. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You got me. I could have just used chat GPT. Here's what I want to know to everybody joining us on episode number 104. Something's just not adding up. So when you need to go to the doctor and you really don't want to go because you're stubborn, what is the source that you consult? What is the source that you consult? Kelly brings up a good point. Chat GPT is here now. And, you know, Google, they have unleashed their chat GPT equivalent barred. So um, I used to call it Dr. Google. Like, (laughs) but this is funny. This week I was flying home from Nashville and got stranded in Denver and then finally, you know, got out the next day and um, I'm sitting next to, so a guy comes and sits next to me and I'm in the back of the bus because basically I was lucky to get on the plane. And, um, he sits next to me and he's got a mask on, which, you know, I don't have a problem with that. And then he's got an emergency room doctor, like newsletter. And I'm like, so I started talking to him and we talked the whole entire time. It was really, really interesting. But I asked him about AI and medicine and it was kind of fascinating. And he's just like, they have a hard enough time doing charting with verbal, you know, like nuance and epic and, all that sort of stuff. But it was a very interesting conversation, let's just say. Oh, yeah. Needless to say, AI is changing the healthcare uh, profession. Now, Richard said, check out Matt Kelly's latest radical compliance. He has a chat GPT example that is totally wrong. You know, I haven't seen that one yet, but I've seen a few where chat GPT told one young man that he was going to marry him and told him he didn't love his wife. That was real scary. Oh, oh, well, they said that um, I asked if Elizabeth Holmes was a pink collar criminal and, you know, it only went through 2021, but it said that she was charged. Therefore, she is a pink collar criminal. And I'm like, hello, if you're charged, you must be convicted. Yeah, something's wrong. And they have this thing that they call hallucinations. Have you heard that? Yep. Someone came out. Okay, so do you listen to the Hard Fork podcast? Sometimes, yeah. I really have gotten 
into it, totally gotten into it. I mean, I love Casey Newton because of Kara Swisher, but um, it wasn't, I don't think it was them that talked about it, but people are like, don't call it hallucinations. They're mistakes. So um, there you was a whole thing about that. Yeah, the, um, Christine just put the chat GPT scores on the CPA, not good, but you know what? The paid version of chat GPT for the bar, Yep. 90%. So it just goes to show, okay, I did a presentation this week and there were like probably a total of 400 people, you know, <laughs> online in the room and in another overflow room, not one lawyer. Oh my God. It made me so happy. So, so happy. But, um, yeah, just, you know, uh, we talked briefly about AI. It's fascinating. I want to find a really, really good, investigator specific AI course. So anyone out there know a really, I know Robert, you've done one, but yours is more towards audit. I want to find like, and I was out with um, Kim Green of Pursuit Magazine. And I was like, you guys have got to do it. And I was hoping they can maybe get a person I know I suggested to do it. Somebody has got to do one because it is taking over. So, so, so listen, so I did end up going to the doctor. I did. I did end up going. I did end up going. And while there, they had tons of magazines out that could tell you what was wrong. Fortunately for them, they didn't use the company that is the subject of today's story. So let's talk about this. There's a Chicago-based health technology company, and what they did was they installed tablets in doctor's offices, digital screens, and then they went out to pharmaceutical companies and other healthcare organizations and recruited them to advertise on these screens that were in doctor's offices. Now, back in the day, it was television monitors, and then it migrated to the smaller screens. So, I mean, you got to imagine that's got to be a good business, right? I mean, people were in the doctor's office and they're hurting and they're in pain and if they happen to see an advertisement for some pain medication that could help them out, how could that go wrong? That, just, that could never go wrong. <laughs> or could it? We're here to show it could, and it did. Apparently, <clears throat> high-ranking executives in the organization just went through a 10-week trial and, well, they were found guilty of doing a few things, but part of their scheme was they were over-inflating the statistics coming out of the system, which meant that they overcharged and overbilled for advertising. They're saying that the scheme took place from 2011 to 2017 and resulted in a $45 million being overbilled in advertising services. What do you think about that, Kelly? That's some money. That is some money. That's um, a whole lot of money. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. Is greed is money the root of all evil? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to think that. I just. I really don't. I know someone, like from growing up, who's going through a really big trial right now, and we've had discussions about like. Mm. Did he do it? Is he going to be found guilty or non-guilty? 
And these are like a lawyer and a really good friend. And I'm like, I just, so I started my presentation off in Nashville differently than I normally do. And my thing is, is I'm a, I'm a CFE and a PI teaching ethics. Why am I teaching ethics? And my response to it, because I, you know, always work on my little openings is that because I have seen people of every possible socioeconomic background, but yeah, everything make really poor decisions for a monetary reason. So that's why I think people should listen to me about ethics because I've arrested bad guys. I've arrested nice people. I've arrested everyone in between and a lot of times, and Richard just said it, love of money, not money itself is the root of all evil. Um, people just think money solves problems, like whatever problem, your marriage problem, your work problem, your like, it's short-term thinking. More money, more problems. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Bob, the love of money. Yeah. Like, but you know, I say this is, it's really easy for me to say this. I come from like no immense privilege whatsoever, but I, I've at a point in my life where that isn't the thing that motivates me at all. And you guys probably know why. Now, David makes a really good point too. He says money magnifies problems. Yeah. Amen to that. Money does, like Richard says, it does help out at times, but it's usually a short term solution. Yeah. Well, you know, I've read studies where they've said that above eighty five thousand dollars per year, your happiness level does not increase anymore Ooh. or decrease. I'm going to be right back. OK, right All back. Right. I'm going to show you guys something. So Yeah, they say above eighty five thousand dollars. Money does not increase your happiness at all. But in today's story, the company is called, hold on one second. I have just lost my notes screen. The company is called uh, Outcome Health. And they had an outcome, all right. Somebody stole money. So in the story, though, they're saying that the Justice Department is saying that one of the accusers fabricated data to conceal the under deliveries from the auditor. So in other words, they fabricated the data that they gave to their external auditing firm. Now, this wasn't a small company. Let's talk about this. In May of 2017, they went through a funding round with Goldman Sachs, Capital G, Pritzker Group, and others, and they invested $600 million in outcome health giving it a $5.6 billion valuation. It was based in Chicago, and this marked the largest single funding round in Chicago since Groupon in 2011. And I know we remember Groupon, right? Okay, I got my book, you guys. It's called Happy Money, The Science of Happier Spending by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. It's really interesting. I don't have, like, all my bookmarks yet, but... um. I heard her on a podcast. I know Michael Norton's work. It's really, if you think money can't buy happiness, you're not spending it right. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'll, actually, I'll just type it into the chat, the name of it, because um, you guys might like it. I'm enjoying it so far. 
Um, and I'm going to make my kids read it. Yeah. So, so now, according to a report in the Wall Street Journal, unnamed former employees and advertisers accused the company of overcharging the customers for advertising and misquoting third party analyses and falsifying documents on the ad performance. So that's what they're accused of doing. <sighs> but it gets better. In November of 2017, the CEO left, and then a number of advertisers stopped working with the company, and investors sued the company, claiming fraud and breach of contract. That almost sounds like Elizabeth Holmes, right, where the investors decided that it was time to fight back. But, but along the way, by the time all this happened, the company again, was valued at more than $5 billion, had 500 employees, and one round of debt financing resulted in $30 million in a dividend going to one of the executive members, $7.5 million going to another, while an equity financing resulted in a $225 million dividend to two others. Uh, it's It's crazy. It's just, it's, it's really crazy. It's clown money. It's so right. unreal. The amount of money that is so unreal right now is just, people don't have any perspective. Yeah. So if you're just joining us, we're talking about outcome health. And what they did was they provided doctor's offices with televisions and tablets, and then they got advertisers to advertise on those televisions and tablets. So it's likely while you were sitting in a doctor's office between 2011 and 2017, if you saw television advertising something, that was probably them. Now, unfortunately, they were accused and convicted of um, falsifying the numbers. So making the revenue look bigger than it actually was along the way, they received seed money from investors and and the executives at the organization got 30 million, seven and a half million and approximately 200 million dollars in a payout. Now, that begs the question of when you're raising money for a company, typically you're raising to either a research and develop the product further or b expand the product and scale the company. Right. So why such large payouts for these executives? That That's really interesting. Yeah. Red flag, red flag, huge red flag. I mean, yeah, huge red flag. Yeah. Now, Baba says people do not use or develop their ability to think things through and the fact that there are many things outside their control. So they believe they can misappropriate funds. Yeah, I, they believe they can't get caught. Here's the thing, though. So it really makes you wonder in this case, what was the motivation behind it? Because they had already received some seed money. They were already in operations. So were they that far off of their projections? That would be my guess that they were so far off of their projections that they decided to falsify. But here's the other thing. They actually fudged the numbers enough to where it fooled the auditors. Oh, I also have a really good podcast episode. I'm going to drop into the chat that I listened to this week that about auditors that I think it's, um, I'm going to put it 
And I did the ten Tennessee Comptrollers and a woman listened to it and it was really, she had a really good response. So um, Stephen Thomas, is anyone familiar with Stephen Thomas, the lawyer who sues the big four for missing fraud and wins? No. What? It's really, it's a really good episode. Um, I listened to it on the plane and it was a really good episode, but I'm going to go to my email. Speaking of auditors. Oh, my fraud. Send it to me. Um, she sent me this really nice message and it was so funny. She says, um, uh, let's see. She goes, um, you had said you aren't an auditor. So I wanted to let you know that while the attorney did not say anything that is incorrect, he did have several points that could be construed as being disingenuous. Imagine that from an attorney. Huh. <laughs> and so then it, I didn't really lie, but I just kind of stressed the truth just a little bit. Well, and then she goes on, for instance, auditors, and then in all caps, are not required to set up to procedures to look for fraud, but we are required to report fraud if we find it. And we are required to find material misstatements regardless of the cause. So um, yeah, it was, it's a really good episode. I, and you know, you know me, I don't like to listen to lawyer podcasts, but it's good. I, and I like, Oh, my fraud. I've had Greg Kite on my um, podcast um, yeah, Richard, I guess reasonable assurance didn't reasonable. So Richard what? says, I guess reasonable, reasonable assurance. Yeah, Richard says, I guess reasonable assurance doesn't mean what I thought it meant. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's no way that an auditor can catch all fraud. But but I will say in this particular case, though, um, I, I would imagine that data analytics would have shown a significant difference in activity. And that's where we have to learn to be more uh, tech savvy and data aware in our operations. You know, I, we can't just pull samples and then look at one-offs when we have this whole pool of data at our disposal. Yeah. Which we have so much data and now we have AI to help us with the data. The LLMs, large language models. Oh, God. Yeah. AI is going to uh, take over and replace us humans at some point in time. Hopefully, I'll be gone by the time that happens. <laughs> so, you mean next year? Yeah, I know, right? As fast as it's growing. You know, so, but, but, but I'm still just a little baffled by this case. Now, now, hold on. There is an update, though. There, there is an update. Uh, let me see. So, the CEO was convicted on five counts of mail fraud, 10 counts of wire fraud, two counts of bank fraud, and two counts of money laundering. The former president was convicted on five counts of mail fraud, eight counts of wire fraud, and two counts of bank fraud. And then the former chief operating officer and chief financial officer was convicted on five counts of mail fraud, five counts of wire fraud. No, yeah, uh, two counts of bank fraud and one count of false statement to a financial institution. Uh, the three have yet to be sentenced, but they Camp have. Cupcake. They're going yeah. to Camp Cupcake. Probably so. Yeah. I mean, that, that's. So what sad. else is that... interesting is there's three other outcome employees pleaded guilty um, before the trial out of this whole group. One woman. One. 
Oh, I saw that there were three others. I didn't even see the woman. I one oh. woman. Wow. There's a professor who does a study and he shows that women are not invited into these sort of complex white collar stuff unless they have a role to play, like, you know, they're lower, they can make the journal entries or whatever, and they don't actually profit. They generally, women don't profit. The professor's name is Daryl Steffensmeyer. He's done some really interesting work. Well, what happened to equal opportunity? I... <laughs> well, they don't invite him in. They kind of, he, I think it was him. He kind of jokes. It's kind of like the mafia. Like they don't bring the women in unless they have to, because the woman can do a certain skill. Now get this though, in the ultimate, it's not my fault plea. The defense attorneys are arguing that the blame should actually fall on another former official uh, who actually pleaded guilty to wire fraud and testified against the three other former executives. Yeah. They say snitches get stitches, but it sounds like snitches get to go free after you testify on the other people. Now, let me see. First one on the bus gets the best ride. Oh, I never heard that before. I like that. That's very You've never true. heard that? Oh, yeah. I've Prosecutors never heard that. All the time. They're like, first one on the bus, you're getting the best deal. Yeah. Wow. Makes sense. Now, Bob says, sounds like the white collar frauds to the tune of 12 Days of Christmas. It really did, didn't it? <laughs> Richard said, does it still count as a pink collar crime? <laughs> it doesn't. No. No, no, Darn. No. Darn. Position, not gender. <laughs> this one was a weird one. I, I'm still just a little... I, so, it kind of reminds me of like... Uh, Clear Channel Outdoor. So, you know, Clear Channel is a media company that owns a bunch of radio stations. Bless you. But they also mm -hmm. own uh, billboards that you see outside when you're driving down the interstate, right? So I'm thinking, if you have your equipment in the doctor's offices, by the way, the doctors didn't have to pay for the equipment. They supplied the equipment. And today, televisions are cheap. Tablets are cheap. So if you supply the equipment, you just run the ads. I mean, Granted, if you didn't have customers, you didn't have customers. But at some point, if you shared part of the revenue with the physician's office, why would why would I not run an ad? So I just wonder what more was behind this one. Well, the other thing is like, I mean, knock on wood, I don't go to the doctor's office very often, but I did have an experience recently where I accused the doctor of owning stock of the thing that he was trying to push on me. Oh, and I remember um, talking about that. So the other thing is like, do you really want to put all these ads up and then like 15 minutes of your appointment, the doctor wastes when you're like, you know, I saw on that video out there, this drug, could that be Ooh. helpful? Like, it's I kind of think it could be a conflict of interest. I think they should just go back to playing elevator music. We have our phones. Like it just kind of seems like upselling could happen. Are there conflicts of interest that need to be like, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been into a doctor's office where I've seen something like that, but um, I, as a patient, I would like, Hey, are you getting a kickback for this? Like, do you get mm -hmm. like a spiff if you give, you know, 50 prescriptions a month to ABC 
drug cocktail. Like, I well, I wouldn't like it. I think it's the medical industrial complex. So, but I'm probably going to get sick because I say that. Well, and to, to your point, though, there is something called the Stark Law, which prohibits uh, kickbacks from physicians, from the pharmaceutical companies. So they would have to be very careful on what they actually advertised and how they advertised it. Yeah. Ooh, so, I, I, don't know. I think a lot of there'd be a lot of wasted time. Like, I mean, I know my mom watched a lot of television and she's like, oh, you should try this or oh. And I'm like, turn it off. Like, turn it off. But I'm not old yet. And so maybe when I get old, maybe I will be that way. But I should hope my kids will do like a parental block on my TV. I mean, I don't even have cable. So I'm too cheap. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for today's episode. Episode 104, something is not adding up. Hopefully you get that now. <laughs> adding up, get it? No. <laughs> And the next time you go into your doctor's office, and we hope you don't unless it's preventative, pay attention to what's in the waiting room and stuff. Pay attention and report back to us. Yeah. But a lot of the waiting rooms, they'll have a television in the corner. And, and, you know, you want to watch the game or something, and it's looping some sort of something that you don't want to see. Yeah. Bob's like, I would think there would be a tie between what's advertised and what's prescribed. That's what I would think, you know, like if you're going to a – podiatrist there'd be some kind of foot fungus commercial on <laughs> whatever <laughs> see you clarence thank you for joining yeah, man. thank, thank you, you guys <laughs> have an awesome uh, weekend and it's beautiful here i cannot tell you how excited i am yeah yeah your tan is gone now it don't say that <laughs> it is it's fading but it, summer I, is here and then we'll come back i need my vitamin d <laughs> Oh, all right, guys. We'll see you all next week.